lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to what is likely to be our last Thursday show of the season. I'm Sports Stars Managing oh. Editor Chase Bryson, and I've got co-host Ben Enos alongside me once again. Sadly, this will not be a pick show like all of our previous Thursday offerings. Rather than taking stabs at matchups involving SoCal teams we know very little about, I will concede the 2022 7th Friday Night Picks title to you, Ben. I went 9-1 over the last two weeks and could only make up one game, so hats off. You got me by two. Thanks to the efforts of friend and colleague Jim McHugh, we may have a Sports Illustrated football film trophy soon enough for you to present proudly in your household and uh, invite all domestic disputes herein. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's probably what that'll be. Uh, <laughs> well, Chase, please allow me to begin today's episode by quoting the poet Sorkin. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Great day in the morning, Chase. Victory <laughs> is mine. I drink from the keg of glory, Chase. Bring me the finest muffins and bagels in all the land. So, for those who don't know, that is a quote from one of the greatest television shows ever to grace the small screen, The West Wing. With that out of the way, Chase, you get to play the role of Donna because it is indeed going to be an unbearable day. <laughs> Oh my! I get forty-eight straight hours of this starting tomorrow. This is this is fantastic. You're gonna hide the coffee from me. I know how this <laughs> is gonna go. Oh boy! All right. Well, we've got a lot to get to in this episode as we look to preview Staple Championship Weekend, which begins at four p.m. tomorrow when McClyman's Oakland takes the field against Modern Day Catholic Chula Vista at Saddleback College in Mission Viejo. We're going to have Mark Tennis on to learn about some of the SoCal teams and talk keys for some of these games. And Coach Edson will drop by once again, too. Let's get started with a round to fill the gap. I'll have you go first and field this one. There's no cheering in the press box, but I'd be most happy to see blank win this weekend. Do I get to go first because I'm the champion? <laughs> of course. Yes. Okay, cool. Just making sure. Um, so the team i'd be most happy to see win this weekend is uh, i mean come on <laughs> you wrote this come on i know who you're gonna answer but go ahead I mean, no I knew. no see i this is when you're a champion like me you have to be deferential so <laughs> let me acknowledge that pittsburgh is of course the answer for pretty much anyone who's covered the ncs for any length of time but let me also say that I could make a case for every single team we are going to see this weekend. Yeah, we can we can talk through them all, really. But in this spot, I'm going to put in a big picture plug. The team I would be most happy to see win this weekend is the Sarah Padres. Yes. What if Sarah beats Bosco? Are you kidding me? How big a story would that be? It'd be huge, huge <laughs> chase, huge. <laughs> And, you know, I like every single team and every single coaching staff that's going south this weekend. You can't go wrong with any of these guys. So, yeah. But that's that's the primetime game, Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Sarah Padres flying the NorCal flag. It's so funny that I just, I don't even think about them really, at, like, in that context because they're just such an underdog. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, that's the right answer. hundred <laughs> percent. Who wouldn't want to cover that game and then do a podcast after it'd be great. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's yeah. What's, uh, what's your, you can wax poetic about the pirates of Pittsburgh. No, really, it wasn't, you I can, mean, obviously you can wax poetic about all of them. I'm telling you, uh, I'll, I'll go with the team. Um, I'll go with the team that actually isn't going to be down South. Um, but another team I'd be very happy for is Bellerman. I mean, the bells, Oh. As a programmer, 0 for 3 in stable appearances, including a pair of five-point defeats that were just crushing. I was at one in mm, 2015, maybe. Uh, Travis McHugh was the quarterback. Um, he had a, that, This was the team that nearly beat De La Salle, beat De La Salle. but lost yeah. in overtime. And they played a tremendous game uh, at State and lost 40, 42-37 or something like that. So I'd like to see them get that monkey out their back and become the fourth WCAL school to secure a bull win. That'd be good. So, yeah, the answers are plentiful. This is really the weird week. Like in, like you said, no cheering in the press box, right? But there is a very like NorCal versus SoCal type thing going sure. on. There always has been. <laughs> yep. So, uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's give you your own fill the gap. My boldest prediction, and by my, I mean yours, <laughs> prediction for state championships weekend is blank. So I wanted to get Super Bowl to do something involving Sarah against St. Moscow, but I couldn't pull the trigger. So we talked some in Tuesday's show about the North Coast section having another big contingent playing on State Bowl weekend. The section is 8-3 and three over its last 11 State Bowl appearances. Pinole Valley secured the 7AA title on Friday after the section went 3-0 and last year and 4-3 and in 2019. So I'm predicting more of the same. My boldest prediction for state championship weekend is the NCS will win at least three more titles between Friday and Saturday. I say they go three for the last four. All right. In any combination. I like it. Yeah. I, I can support it. Do you have a bold prediction you'd like to throw out? I really don't. And the reason that I don't is I'm not afraid to tell you that where I'm supposed to have written one here, it says <laughs> add answer. <laughs> like I made a note to myself to, to figure one out and then I didn't. So my boldest prediction for state championships weekend is that we will work five games and not kill each other. How about that? <laughs> there you go. And the consultant will be there. Yes. Which is not very bold, but he's a bold person. <laughs> so, you know, it's I like it. I can yeah. dig it. Fun weekend. Sarah Padres flying the flag. Um, well, with our own particular brand of analysis out of the way, we thought we'd get you someone for this week who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to Southern California schools and how they stack up against our mighty bunch from NorCal. This week, we welcome CalHighSports.com editor and publisher Mark Tennis. The night before the CIF announces its selections for the state regional games, Everyone who is anyone in California high school football looks to Mark to see who he thinks is going to be paired against each other. Let's listen in to hear what Mark thinks we might see this weekend in Mission Viejo. So when the schedule gets to December, the list of folks to talk to who can speak with authority on most teams still playing while also providing historical and big picture context is a list of one, in our opinion anyways. And that one person is here with us now, sneaking in some time with us, before he too heads south to Michigan, he's braver than us. He's actually doing it in his car. <laughs> a true friend of the program is CalHighSports.com co-founder and publisher Mark Tennis. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi Chase. Hi Ben. How are you guys doing? We're good. 
There's football still to be played, so we're not in depression mode yet. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that'll that'll hit uh, probably well, actually, before the last game because it's not going to be much of a game. But after the after the first two games on Saturday are over, is kind of when it seems like it's over. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are looking forward to chatting about all things uh, Southern California football this week. But let's first, before we do that, take a step back uh, before we look. At what we have ahead of us so last friday night was cold last saturday night was rainy so outside of the sudden appearance of bad weather in northern california did anything you saw last week from the northern half of our state surprise you um surprise me um not really no i mean no i don't think anything was really surprising um some of the margins were surprising i didn't think manteca would lose quite as bad as they did to Pittsburgh. Um, but I knew it was a step up for them. Um, I don't think anything was really too surprising. You know, De La Salle got their avenging win. I mean, a lot of people, you know, that picked Folsom to win and that's fine. But, but, you know, it was a close game the first time. So that's not really a, a shock or anything like that. I know you, you were, you've been high on Grant for a few weeks too. So that probably didn't surprise you either that they, they did what they did. no, no, they, they, you know, they, if you look at what they did with Monterey Trail in the league, where they only lost by three points, and then Monterey Trail is a very good team that beat St. Francis. So, I mean, to, and then come out of that, and then they had that 80 point game against Patterson, which just, just <laughs> stands out. Right. Um, no, I, I wasn't, I thought, I thought they maybe even get seated, um, seated uh, higher. Uh, you know, it's hard to say they'd be seated ahead of, Marin Catholic or Camp Alindo, but I they probably are they're probably better than both of those, I think. Chase right asked now, me this especially. Chase asked me this exact question earlier today. Would Campo give Grant a game? And I don't I, I think we have to keep in mind that we're talking about a school. I said this on Tuesday's pod, or maybe this one I can't remember. Uh <laughs> the uh that we're talking about a school that not just was competing for bowl appearances a decade ago, they were in the open game. I mean, this yes. is not this is not a Division three caliber school. No, no. The fact that they were in Division three is, you know, once once you saw in the Sac Joaquin section, even in the preseason at the Sac Joaquin Media Day, people are talking about look at Grant. They're in Division three now because of the season they just had, the couple seasons they've had. Their enrollment's gone down a little bit. It's like, wow, if they get on a roll in Division three, watch out. Well, they did. I think they have one of the best offensive linemen in California, uh, Noah Alani. Noah's phenomenal. Great. They're running behind him when they when they need a yard, that's who they're going behind. You know that. So right. um with him and some other elite players, they're they're gonna be around back to being around for a while, and that's a good thing. All right. So let's take a look at some of the games we're going to see this weekend. And I'd like to start with the first one, really. Friday's 4 p.m. game features McClymans of Oakland taking on modern day Catholic of Tula Vista. Mac has traditionally done really well in the Division three to five bowl games, but the last time it was elevated to this stage, Pacifica Oxnard won thirty four to six in twenty nineteen. Do the Warriors have any better shot at winning this time around? What are, What are your thoughts on that game? Uh, I think they do. Um, when When uh, they played Pacifica of Oxnard the last time was in the old way. The Southern Section did divisions, which was not competitive equity based, and the Pacifica team they played was. One of the best teams they were saying in Ventura County history, they probably were, you know, they're probably a team that were, you know, probably too low in their, where they were placed. 
Um, so I think modern day Catholic is a team. Yes, they are the defending champions in this division. Um, but I mean, they barely won over mission Hills in their section game. It was so close. One of the referees signaled the catch was out of bounds and then they met and they said, no, it's good. Touchdown. You won the game. Oh my. That that crazy, how close they came to losing. So they're not a, a dominant team. Um, they're a very resourceful team. They came from behind 21 nothing against Downey um, in their regional game, the one 22-21. Um, they have some really good players on both sides of the ball that are getting recruited. They have, you know, Chris Snyder, um, Jeremiah McGuire, uh, the receiver, is really good. Um, Trey Edwards, the linebacker, four-year starter. Guy, I believe it's UCLA. He's going to very good player. Um, he was on their team last year that that, that won. Um, but I think McClyman's also is has some guys that that can match up with them with their run game. Um, and and McClyman's has stepped up when they played, you know, San Ramon Valley this year. Um, they stepped up when they played Bellarmine. They stepped up really when they played Pittsburgh. I think you you were at that game and. And at one point, it looked like they were going to score and go ahead in the, in the near, early in the fourth quarter. And there was a fumble, and then then Pitt scored and ended up winning 39-21. So I think McClyman's, by playing Pittsburgh the way they did, I don't think this is like a big step up for them. I think they definitely have a good chance to win the game. Well, that'll be Friday afternoon. On Friday night, we see Lincoln of San Diego take on uh, De La Salle, who is returning to Southern California this year. Now, we've heard a lot about Roderick Robinson, the running back who's heading to Georgia. Have you seen him play, and do De La Salle's chances really just boil down to how well they can stop him? Uh, no, I think there's more to Lincoln than that. Um, they have explosiveness in their pass game as well. They That's how they beat Carlsbad to win their section. I think if De La Salle just um, comes out and, and focuses on Robinson, which they have to do because he's that good, uh, Lincoln is going to be able to throw the ball and make plays in their passing game. And, and that's the problem De La Salle has because Lincoln last week um, put the skids on Sierra Canyon's running game, um, which was very good against Inglewood, very good leading into their game. And, and Lincoln shut them down and, uh, uh, De La Salle does not have a passing game if if that happens. So I think right. Lincoln has a little bit of an edge because I think if their run game gets shut down, they're able to to make plays in other areas uh, in their offense, and and that's something that's that I think is a, is a is a difference. I mean, they have a common opponent, uh, which is a Cathedral Catholic, and there's a one touchdown difference. You know, if you look at the comparative scores, and that's very misleading to do that. <laughs> but on the other hand, I think that's kind of close to maybe where I'm thinking I'm going to go with it uh, in my prediction is I think Lincoln just a little bit more explosive uh, than a lot of the than uh, than certainly Folsom was a little hamstrung with their injuries. And I think Lincoln's got a little bit overall with the running back they have. God, you really have to focus on him. And then they hit you with the passing play. So I think that's going to be an important thing to watch for. So looking ahead to Saturday. We have a we have two more North Coast section teams in the noon and the four p.m. games. Ceremon Valley Danville opens the day against Granite Hills of El Cajon, and Pittsburgh uh, follows them against Liberty Bakersfield. Which which of those two NCS teams is better positioned to get a win? Do you think? Which of those two teams better positioned? Um, I'd probably say Pitt's better positioned, although I think both of them are going to have a hard time. Um, Got it. I don't think I'm going to pick either one to win. 
Granite Hills hasn't played anybody in quite a while. They played Helix in league and beat them in overtime. They just destroyed everybody in their in their section. And they also won easily in their regional game. Their two losses are to the are to Poway and and Madison, and they they were in the San Diego Open Division, the top four teams. Uh, the game against uh, Madison was close, so I, I think I think Granite Hills just a little bit better, all 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 things considered. Um, but you know, you never know what's going to happen. I, I think the thing with uh, Pittsburgh beating Manteca the way they did said a lot. Um, Clayton Valley was pretty good, and you know when they played De La Salle, it was twenty three sixteen at one point in, toward the end of the game. So they they're used to playing at a high level. Their loss to Folsom, they were pretty good as well. So I think Pittsburgh between the two has has the better chance. I like Liberty because you know they beat them thirty five to seven last year. It wasn't like the, a close game or anything. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure Rashada wasn't up to full speed last year and with right. him at full speed this year maybe that makes a difference i don't know if it's four touchdowns but you know and liberty was in this same game last year you know they lost to sarah gardena so they kind of know the routine they've been there they've done that real real motivated to win this time and coming short last time um i kind of think that makes uh, liberty a little bit a little bit of a favorite not a big one but i think it makes them a favorite we have one more game to talk through, and it is, I mean, <laughs> I mean, what can you say? Uh, I'm going to maintain my positivity for the NorCal side here. Now, we, Chase and I have talked about this in recent weeks. We've kind of forgotten about Sarah a little bit because once they beat Folsom and De La Salle, it was kind of easy to forget about the Padres because you assumed that they would end up in this spot. So here they are, and St. John Bosco is waiting for them. I mean, you look at them on paper, you've seen them live. Uh, they've given up more than two touchdowns in a game twice this year, <laughs> and that was modern day both times. Is what, what do we expect to see? And specifically, what do we expect to see from this Bosco defense that Sarah has to contend with on Saturday night? Well, the thing about the Bosco defense is that they're great at all three levels. You know, linebacker, defensive line, defensive line with uh, Yongalele's brother up there and other players. You've got this Kingston, not even going to pronounce his last name, at linebacker, <laughs> the junior. He's just ridiculous. And their secondary is probably the best ever in the history of California in terms of their recruited guys, their safeties, their corners. They're just all big. I mean, their second unit of DBs probably is would be top five in the state. Their second unit is probably top five. Now it, it's just the 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 talent the talent they have is just it's ridiculous. It's they're, and they're well coached. It's not like they just show up and flash their talent. Um, they're very well coached, just like Modern Day is too. And it's just such a um, difference between them and everybody else. And that's not a knock against Sarah. That's just this arms race with modern day and Bosco has elevated both of them to a position where I think they beat anybody in the country by two or three touchdowns. And they beat anybody who's halfway decent by four or five, at least. So that's just the way it is. I don't know if there's any end to it. Maybe there will be, if the modern modern day may not be quite doing the same model, if they have a new coach, um, but you know, it's just, it, no one can really can, it's not really competitive at all. And, you know, th the best example of that is 
the uh, the Southern Section semifinals. And really, Los Alamitos is in line to be the number one public school in California this year because they beat um, Long Beach Poly head-to-head. Long Beach Poly beat Mission Viejo head-to-head, and Mission Viejo beat Corona Centennial head-to-head. And uh, Los Alamitos lost 52 to nothing to Modern Day in the semifinals. So, you know, you're thinking if Sarah doesn't lose 52 to nothing, they probably do a good job. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's kind of joking, but, you know, if Sarah went, it's 44 to seven, like last year's probably good. It's not bad at all. Right. So it's just the level of talent they have is just, it's off the charts. And there isn't a guy on the field who isn't going to play in college, not a single guy. Every single lineman is 300 pounds. Every single guy. And that's the same in modern day. They're all 290, 300 pound guys. And they'll never have a guy in their lineup ever again who's <laughs> 275 or below. They won't. It's the line of Alani Noah. Find guys and plug them in. Alani Noah at every position, every every spot on the line. They're cloning people. It, it, it's it's it, it, the way it is. I mean, they. I don't know how they do it. They they obviously bring guys in from lots of different areas, and you know, more power to them. They're they're doing it legally. They're 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 kids that play there, are hardworking. They they believe in the brotherhood. Jason Negro takes a lot of stuff that he's learned from all these different places, including De La Salle, and puts it in. He's a great coach. You can't say anything negative about it. It's just the talent level they have is it's ridiculous. It's it's not even fair, really. That's why the last game, you just sort of watch it, and it's like a coronation almost, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, finally, sometime in January, Ben and I will be getting together with some of our Sports Stars writers to argue about all NorCal selections. So, like last year, we can't let you get away without picking your brain on who the best NorCal player you saw this year might have been. Is it maybe Blake Nicholson of Manteca, Javier Thomas McClymonds, someone from Sarah? What are your What are your thoughts? I think going into the last week, uh, Nicholson was was the main guy, uh, but he got shut down a little. Not completely. He had 170 yeah. yards yeah. in that game. Um, and he just does so much for Manteca because he can play defense. And if you're just picking a, a Northern California player of the year, just, you know, for no position, not offense and not defense, right. I think it's still probably Blake. But, you know, you have to give uh, Thomas, uh, he's got one more game. Who knows what he does? You know, right. What if he has 300 yards in a state final like he just had? Right. That may, he may pass him up. That's certainly something to, to look at. You know, Sarah's a more balanced team. They're a lot like Bosco and like, how do you pick one guy? I mean, the quarterback has been very good. Um, he's had a nice job, and maybe he's good, but I don't know if he beats he beats a Nicholson um, with you know even if you know because he's probably not going to win. He's probably going to be running for his life the whole day. <laughs> um, so it, it it's probably still Nicholson, I think, because he's kind of a unique player in in, in what he does with his pass catching and. And his defense, and he's going to be a linebacker. And you, you keep thinking, yeah, is he really going to be a linebacker and the next level? Because he's such a good pass catcher. He could play tight end. He could play all these different positions. Then you see somebody like Logan uh, Logan Vanderesh of the of the Cowboys running around making plays. You, think, you know that could be Blake someday. Okay, maybe that is what he's <laughs> yeah. going to do. That could be him. He could do that. He, just he might be as good as that guy someday. He so, ran down. He ran down Zach Card from behind. Yeah, in that game in the rain. So mm-hmm. he's, he's pretty fast. He can get he's there. fast and he can go sideline to sideline. Yeah. You get the coaches on him and maybe that'll work for him. I hope it does. 
Well, we have a long weekend ahead of all three of us, so that'll do it for today. When you're not on SportsStarsMag.com this weekend, be sure to click over to CalHighSports.com to check out Mark's recaps and analysis from the final week of high school football in California this year. Mark, thanks as always for joining us, and see you in Mission Viejo. See you down there, guys. Travel safe. All right. You too, Mark. Thank you. All right. Bye. We'd like to thank Mark once again for squeezing in time for us. If you're a regular listener to our show and you don't have a subscription to CalHighSports.com, we strongly urge you to fix that. We consider Mark and his team the authority when it comes to state rankings and records. Now, allow us to transition to our own authority on dumb football. Coach Terry Edson, he doesn't have to make picks this week, but he still drops by to talk a little about the De La Salle-Lincoln matchup, and I host a round of CIF State Bowl trivia between him and Ben. Here we go. And now we welcome Terry in for his final Thursday appearance of the season. Coach, since this week's games involve SoCal teams and a lot of your friends, frankly, we've decided to declare the pick season is over. I I conceded a two-game loss to Ben earlier in this episode. Of course, you're welcome to offer a pick or two, but your heater finally ended last week. And you're still a game over 500, so maybe you just want to bow out while you're ahead. Oh, well, I, uh, don't make me pick against Spartans because I'd have to do it. I don't want to do that. Yeah, That's, that's what we good. figured. Yeah, but um, it I, I, I rallied at the end. You know, if you'd have given me the games I wanted to do last week and I'd have been 3-0 and again, but you, you throw in teams I haven't seen or watched all year long, like Grant El Cerrito. Thanks. I mean, what do I know about Grant? I mean, come on. Chase followed you down that rabbit hole. I know. Yeah, Ben, nice game. El Cerrito did not really play up uh, to its uh, tradition there. It's true. Yeah. Uh, Good for Grant. I'll give, you know, good for Grant. They're back in the state game. That's right. So, uh, you know, good for them. That's great. I'm welcome to any format changes you would like to uh, suggest for next year's pick show. Contract negotiations. I'm fine. Yeah. (laughs) I'm deep in contract negotiations right now. I want I want an umbrella person at games. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know that De La Salle is heading south to take on Lincoln High of San Diego on Friday night at Saddleback College. So we need to welcome our listeners to Lincoln. And we'll do that the same way that we do all the schools that we know nothing about. We go to the wiki machine. <laughs> Terry, did you know that there are two members of the Pro Football Hall of Fame who have prepped at Lincoln? Who are they? That would be Terrell Davis of the Ooh. Denver Broncos and a yeah, player a player I'm thinking you actually might quite like, a Mr. Marcus Allen. Oh, he went to Lincoln too? Wow, that's to- two really good running backs. And yeah. well, lo and behold, they have another one this year. Huh, funny how that works. (laughs) (laughs) We will also note that Lincoln is an 11-minute drive from the San Diego Zoo. (laughs) Terry, you go to the San Diego Zoo. Which animal are you seeing first, and why is it the snake exhibit? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to snake exhibit first. What animal? That's a good question. I've been to say, you know, I used to, of course, with my family being the way it is, I used to go down to San Diego every summer so my dad could spend time at Del Mar. And my mom and I would go see World San Diego Zoo every year. And, uh, oh, I love the zoo. I don't know. I always have a thing about rhinoceroses. I always love rhinoceroses because they're big. They're like linebackers, you know. 
they're big. They run you over. They don't take any growl. I love love rhinoceroses, but yeah, that's a great yeah. zoo. You ever been to that zoo, Ben? I have not actually. Oh, I've been like 15 times. I love that zoo. I will tell you this about, I'll tell you something, a little thing I thought was, I mean, for me, it was humorous. For the first time in like, I don't know, eight years, I went on huddle looked at a Southern California team we're going to play at state and started watching film and went, Oh my God, this is a normal high school football team. <laughs> that was a really strange experience for me. I looked at the right guard and left. I go, wait, these guys are like normal. They look like us. I go, this is really new for me. And of course, they've got some good athletes, but they don't have 40 of them. So uh, that was really encouraging to watch a normal. It's like, oh, this is like the way it used to be. I would forgot about these days. So, um, but they do have a 6'2", 230-pound running back going to Georgia. So some things don't change. So that's the next question. Now that we've established that rhinos are the linebackers of the animal kingdom, have you watched film? Well, you you say you have watched film on the Hornets. Uh, we're not going to call them the Murder Hornets, as Chase wanted me to reference them, <laughs> because that terrifies me to my very core, <laughs> building on something we established earlier this year. Uh, what what will the Spartans find when they take the field Friday night? Well, we're going to, you know, and Chase was at the game for, against Folsom. We're going to have to tackle way better than we did last Friday because this, this guy's a moose. And, you know, he's uh, – uh, I'm sorry. I had his name too. I think it would. I think it's Robinson. Robinson. I thought Robertson or Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. He's um, they scored 31 touchdowns. You know, he's averaging six and a half yards a carry, but it's not, you know, they throw the ball. They're going to spread you out, you know, like all Southern California's teams do, but they spread you out to get this guy, the ball. I mean, that's the main thing. So we got to stop the run first. If we lose by them throwing the ball, then, you know, we're going to live with that, but we're going to, you know, we're going to have to kind of encourage them to throw it more. Cause if he, if he stays too spread out, this kid will just kill you. So we got to stop the run and that's going to open it up. I mean, you can't do, you can't stop the run, stop the, I mean, you got to give something up. So I'm pretty sure we're going to have to give it up on, you know, if we're going to do anything, this many weakness probably going to be in the air, but they can throw it. Uh, reminds me of the old centennial teams we used to play. You got to stop the run first and then pass second. So, and we've done it and it can be done, but first priority, stop the run. Um, defensively, uh, they have not seen the option probably all year long. So, you know, we both play Cathedral Catholic about the same, you know, about to the same score. So that's the one, um, uh, the one, you know, um, common denominator there but uh, i think you know our option will give them problems because if you haven't played against it and you only have a week to prepare it's a little different because you know you got to play more disciplined football when you do that so i think that'll be advantage for us um we're gonna have to throw the ball better there's no doubt about it this week so um that's on the agenda this week as well you're gonna have to get some first downs and move the ball in the air which you know we're inconsistent, but we are capable of doing it. It's not like we can't do it. We were just in too inconsistent last Friday. So, but that our game plan, you know, we're going to run the ball. And I think we can run the ball against them from what I've seen. But if they're going to stack eight in the box, you got to be able to throw it. And that's going to be the key thing. If the Spartans get, 
some, you know, we can start getting the passing game going. Not not like the 300 yards, just, you know, if we can be 50%, complete some balls and move the chains. Um, and, and if they are going to jam it up, you know, down the, then we got to be able to hit some more ones, you know, some play action. So that's going to be the story right there. And of course, we three times this time around. You know, we got we to hold on to the ball. And when we get in the goal line, we can't jump off sides, Ben. Um, that, that cannot happen anymore. And you get into state games and all that, you cannot do things like that. You got to be – and that's that's a mental error. You're gonna We're going to make mistakes. My goodness, that's the game of football. But when we get down in the goal line, we got to quit jumping off sides and give our guys a chance. Roderick Robinson was his name. So we were right. Robinson, yeah, Roderick Robinson, yeah. You remember that name because you're going to see him on Saturdays at Georgia, and then you'll probably see him on Sundays down the road as well. All right, so and there's uh, you know, a lot of six two two thirty five guys that are super fast and you know break tackles and all that. So chase basically, yeah, right. Uh, all right, so um, I know we want to leave some a little bit of room for dumb football here at the end, but I thought uh, a way for us to get fired up for the weekend. We could play a quick game of CIF State Bowl trivia. Don't worry, Terry. These aren't Masters Editions questions. I'm not going to ask you to name the right tackle from the 2010 Escalon team or anything like that. You've got a fighting chance here, all right? So, Bill Avery. <laughs> if he's competing against me, he's got more than a chance. Right. I just made that name up, but it sounded like it sounded good though. Did it, did. it sound like it did. you know what I was talking it about? Like it, I think so. All right, it. so I've got four categories. You can you can you can pick which question you want. Um, and we'll let Terry go first. So the, the categories are De La Salle, 49ers, East Bay, and Section Wars. Which one would you like? I think I'll take De La Salle. I think you might. All right. Sure. He the wants Spart- the ball, and he's going to score. <laughs> the Spartans win over Centennial Corona in 2014, included several staple records, including the most points scored in an open division game and the single game rushing record. Why you got to remind me of that? Jesus. <laughs> I have not seen these questions. I want to be on the record. Okay, okay, go on. The single game rushing record was was set in that game for the open division, and the most points scored. Can you name either record? Can you name how many points were scored, or what running back rushed for two hundred and sixty eight yards in that win? Yeah, Antoine Custer. There we go. You're you're on the board. And what was the score finally? Fifty four. Five to forty. I don't remember. All I remember was apologizing Fallenbaugh for making him have to watch our defense. That's all I remember. <laughs> the Spartans scored sixty-three that night. That's oh, that's that was ridiculous. Right. Sixty-three forty-five or something yeah. like that. Or yes. yeah, it's also the most points scored in a state division game by both combined. All right, that leaves you with 49ers, East Bay, and Section Wars. Ben, which one would you like? 49ers. All right. It was the son of which former 49ers quarterback who led Palo Alto to a state bowl victory in 2010? That would be, who is Steve Bono? Very nice. Uh, Christoph Bono had an 80-yard TD pass in what was a 15-13 win over Centennial. That team went 14-0 and included a receiver you might have heard of, Devontae Adams. But he didn't catch the 80-yard pass. I remember that game. Yep. That Devontae Adams guy turned out to be okay. He was all right. He turned out to be pretty good. All right. We're one to one. All right. You have East Bay and you have Section Wars. Which one would you like, Terry? East Bay. East Bay. San Ramon Valley will be just the second East Bay Athletic League team, not counting De La Salle because they're not officially official EBAL, to reach a state bowl championship. Can you name the other 
EBL team that made it. It's a teeny bit tricky. And he, it's a, oh, oh you gave me you're, you gave me the answer. He said it's an EBL team. Not you, not Dale. Oh, I was about to say that's easy. It's <laughs> I know the answer to this. It is tricky. The only non De La Salle EBAL team to make it before Saramon Valley this year. Oh, it's tricky. Do we count Clayton Valley's an EBAL team? They were officially in 2019 when they yes. made it. So, yes. Okay. That's yeah, it's Clayton, Valley, the Clayton Valley. That's the one. Didn't they win that game seven to three or something? 10 to seven. Like yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So that was in 2019. That was our first year in the league, and they they actually finished fourth in the EBL that year, but they caught fire in the playoffs. Well, I remember, yeah, no, I remember that. Game. I remember those games, yeah. All right, Ben, that leaves you with section wars for the tie. See if we have to get the tiebreaker. The southern section has the most bowl wins with 35, but the Sackwalking section and North Coast section are next in the list. Which one has more? And the margin is just one. I'm gonna say, oof, that's tough. I'll, I'll I'll play the Homer card here. I'll say the North Coast section on the strength of the Spartans of De La Salle. <laughs> there you go. Smart man. The NCS has 21 and the SGS has 20, although the SGS has a better win percentage because they're uh, 20 and 16 while the NCS. Yeah, well, they're not playing Bosco in modern day. So uh, <laughs> yes. there it is. See what their win percentage is then. Okay. There it is. All right. So we'll play the tiebreaker. You guys will both answer and we'll see who wins. As we mentioned earlier, De La Salle has the most bowl wins of any school with seven. Two NorCal teams are tied for second with four wins each. Ben, you go first. Do you know if you can name both, then you would win. Otherwise, Terry has a Wait, chance. Wait, what did so you say? Who's tied? We'll say it again. So, they're, so uh, De La Salle has seven bowl wins, and two NorCal teams are tied for second. With oh, four I know wins, the answer. I know the four one. wins each. I know that. Or do you want to let Terry answer first? Yeah, go ahead. Central Catholic. Yeah, and going to be my guess. Central Catholic is one. There are two that are tied with four. Central Catholic and Folsom. Yes. Wow. Winner. Well done, Terry. Well done. That was the uh, trivia equivalent of Terry getting the ball first in overtime and scoring a (laughs) touchdown. (laughs) Was. I'll probably forget all this in two years. So I'm glad we got my my mind still good. There you go. All right, let's close this thing out. Uh, we will go with the segment that has Time Magazine suggesting that you are the real influencer among us. It's time for Dumb Football, Terry. What did you see this weekend that has you questioning the meaning of life itself? Well, yeah, we'll just keep it. We'll keep it somewhat short this week. But there's, first of all, um, K-State, TCU. Oh, my God, <laughs> how many things did I see? But we'll keep it. Away. First of all, Ben. This, uh, we'll ask you this question. You just get uh, a personal foul after the PAT, okay? Uh-huh. So now you have 15. They decide to take it on the kickoff. So you know what yard line you're kicking from? Would that be the 50? The 50. So what do you think your options are there as a special teams coach? Well, you could kick it high, correct? And they could fair catch it and they'll get the ball where? Somewhere inside the 10. No, if they fair catch it, they get it at the 25. Okay. Right? Okay, what else can you do? You can kick it through the end zone. Kick it through the end zone, give them the ball to 25. Mm-hmm. You could try an onside kick mm-hmm. and think you can hold on. Or 
you can kick a two hopper to the up back and he returns it to the 35 yard line. What was the point of that? I don't understand that. That was the guy was yelling at my TV. You just gave up 10 yards and you got a 15 yard penalty. Someone's going to have to explain that one to me. This stuff's got to be thought out, Ben. This is the championship game. This isn't game one. That one mystified me. Okay. Ben. Did you see the game at all, Ben? TCU, Kansas State? No. Okay, Max Dugan carried TCU from behind on his shoulders, with his leg, with his arm. He is getting completely destroyed out there. He's gutting it out. He's got bruises, bubs, everything. They get down to the one-yard line. Now, in my mind, what is the shortest <laughs> the shortest point between two distance is a straight line. Max Dugan has done everything for you. So by all means, when you get to the one yard line, make sure he does not have the ball in his hands in overtime. But for sure, do that. Instead of just taking a quarterback sneak, which I see t- yesterday, I must have seen seven quarterback sneaks by NFL teams. All of them got over a yard, no problem. But TCU and the great Sonny Dykes, he decided to go backwards, handing the ball off at the five-yard line was a better idea. And, of course, they get stuffed two plays in a row. And if I'm Max Dugan, I'm going like, I just gave everything I could for this team, and I don't get a chance to carry the ball or do it. And then to make it worse – Kansas State's nose tackle, the first team nose tackle, goes out after third down. He gets hurt. So they have their second string nose tackle. They have an experienced offensive line. Run the quarterback sneak. (laughs) How hard is this? Once again, this is not brain surgery. Make it easy on yourself. Okay, that one, I, I was just livid on that one. And, of course, I had TCU in a football pool, so giving two and a half. So, of course, that added more to my uh, anger. The 49ers ran a sneak yesterday where Brock Purdy was stopped in the backfield and still made it. Right. You put two linemen behind him, and then you just push him through. It's so ridiculous. Uh, I know. I saw that, too. And Mike White also got stopped, and then he got pushed over Mm -hmm. for the Jets. I mean, but I saw – oh, God. Okay. Next one. And this one, coaches – you have to really think about this. You got to think about your players. Your job is to protect your players. I saw this twice over the weekend. It's wrong. And coaches have to rethink themselves. Number one, USC. Why is Caleb Williams still in the game? They're down 20 something points. There's a minute and a half left. They're just teeing off on the poor kid. I don't understand what USC is trying to do. Game's over. Run the ball, put a second string back up there, put the second string quarterback, run the ball up the gut, go home, lick your wounds, game's over. That poor kid was taking shots with a minute 50, minute 40 left. I I think that's wrong. I mean, protect your players. You're not going to win the game. Let it go. The Purdue-Michigan game, I don't know if you watched it. Michigan scores. They're down by like 23. They go into the hurry up. And then Aiden McDonald gets absolutely crushed by a Michigan kid. And he gets up and he's limping and he's all that. And then what is what do they do in the next play? They hand the ball off and they run the let the clock run out. 
And then they get like, get to the fifth. I'm going like, why did that kid have to take that hit then? If you're going to, you know, either you're committed to it, you know what I'm saying? That made no sense to me. They're going, they're going, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Oh, my quarterback just got killed. Okay, run the ball. Let's end the game. I, I, that befuddles me. That's, that's, that's wrong. You coaches, protect your players, protect your players. We may have to relabel this segment dead quarterbacks. Brought to yeah, you, really. Dumb brought football to you by dead quarterbacks by Frozen like, the movie. Why do you go hurry up and then he gets crushed and now you're just going to run the clock out? Think about that. You know I'm right on this one. Good. <laughs> no argument here. All right, coach. Well, uh, Ben and I are going south. We'll see you down there, right? Are you going? Oh, you better believe it, bro. I'm what is the preferred method? Ten of- on Friday afternoon. Okay. All right. Yes, sir. Going to get picked up by my sister. We're probably going to go out and have a nice lunch. And she's going to go to the game with me and take me to the game and taking the bus home in time to have for Aqueduct on Saturday. Everything's good. Yeah. Love it. Life is good. All right. We will see you down there then, Coach. All right, boys. I'll see you guys later. See you down there. It should be an exciting weekend. All right. Have a good week. All right. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Another fine segment with Coach Terry Edson. Uh, you know, Dallas Al plays Friday night, Chase. I think it would be only right as my boss to say, you know, Ben, you've worked really hard this year. You can take a Saturday afternoon off and find a local horse racing establishment with the consultant. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. I said if you did the final read, I'd let you do it. Would you uh would you do the final read? Oh man. <laughs> this is Sophie's choice. All right. No, I guess I'm working this weekend. <laughs> All right, then here we go. And that will wrap us up. We want to offer one last thanks to Mark Tennis and Coach Edson this Friday and Saturday. Make sure to be locked on the Sports Stars Magazine Twitter page for updates and results. Follow at Sports Stars Mag. Then from Friday night through Monday morning, keep an eye on SportsStarsMag.com for our coverage of the games. We'll have stories on all five games down south, plus the three double A final between Grant and San Jacinto. Plus, don't forget, Ben and I will be doing late night reactionary pods from Mission Viejo that should be readily available on Saturday and Sunday mornings. Also, for those interested in our final picks records for the season, I posted them one last time on the page for this episode at sportsstarsmag.com. We built seven Friday night using Anchor, but the show is available on several platforms, including Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for 7 Friday Night, and please rate, subscribe, and review. Our main cover art features photography and design by yours truly. Our episode pages also feature photography by Ben and myself. And finally, our theme music was produced and performed by Dustin Phillips. And that will do it. What do we got? We got 24 uh, hours before we're on the road. Yeah, We're less than 24 hours out from heading south to check out the final weekend of the high school football season. So the last one of these that I went to was 2017, which was the one held at Sacramento State in a driving windstorm. Yeah. I'm not going to remind either of the teams that I watched that day of what happened that day. We're just going to pass by that. <laughs> I will never forget the goalposts shaking violently in the wind, though. That was surreal. Um, the last one of these that I attended in SoCal was 10 years ago, 2012. Was it really? 
Yes, That's when crazy. De La Salle won its fourth straight open title and fifth straight bowl game. I think I've actually in total done six or seven of these big meetings, and they're always a lot of fun. We have teams to cover in all five games, so it'll be a marathon rather than a sprint. I'm a coffee drinker. Chase drinks energy drinks and miraculously had kids somehow. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's going to be great to focus entirely on high school football for about 36 hours. Uh what, what can I say? I hope everyone checks out the crazy stuff that we produce. We're going to have pods. We're going to have stories. We're going to have photos. Chase's cell phone has already been encased in gold, and we'll be taking that down. It's waterproof now. You know, you got to take care of the moneymaker. Um, so, yeah, stay locked in all weekend. We're going to try and finish this thing out uh, the only way we know how, which is in ridiculous fashion. <laughs> it's gonna be a lot of fun we really hope you guys come along for the ride and we look forward to uh to putting all this stuff out and you'll hear again from us uh late late friday or early saturday morning if you're staying up late enough to get it on friday you're staying up late so i'd say saturday morning is your best bet so then we'll come back on sunday sunday morning or late late saturday night either one just depends on when you listen to your podcast and when we pop up on your screen so we will talk to you then uh, enjoy the games if there is a unnamed body found on the El Toro Air Force Base this uh, weekend, that will mean that Chase had enough of my shenanigans. Don't cut it out. <laughs> Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Great day in the morning, Chase. Victory is mine. I drink from the keg of glory, Chase. Bring me the finest muffins and bagels in all the land.